and you're listening to Reading Rulebooks. All right, today we are going to get into the rulebook for Cthulhu Death May Die. This is a game from Come On Games designed by Eric Lang and one of my favorites. So let's get into it. Components. One rulebook, 17 double-sided tiles of various shapes, one storyboard, 12 insanity cards, five bonus dice, five colored bases, 30 tentacle markers, three standard dice, 49 tokens, which include one starting space token, 26 wound tokens of one and three value, three gate tokens, one progression token, two staircase tokens, two tunnel tokens, six level one skill tokens, and eight fire tokens. Elder One Box, Cthulhu. One star spawn figure, nine relay tokens, one Cthulhu figure, eight mythos cards, one minion card, four Elder One stage cards. Elder One Box, Hastur. Four Hastur disciple figures, one Hastur figure, 12 yellow sign tokens, eight mythos cards, one minions card, and four Elder One stage cards. Six episode boxes. Contents are displayed on the back of each box. Ten investigators, including Borden, Elizabeth, Ian, Morgan, Fatima, the Kid, Adam, Rasputin, Sister Beth, and Ahmed. Each investigator includes one figure and one investigator board. Ten cultist figures in two positions, 18 monsters, five deep ones, five ghouls, two Biakis, one Shigoth, one Chthonian, two fire vampires, and two hunting horrors. Cultists doing idiotic rituals again. Going to summon an elder god. Destroy the world. The usual. But we've got something different planned. We're going to disrupt their little ritual. Mess it up real good. So when that elder one lands in our world, it's mortal. Just a bit. Just for a while. And then we're going to kill it. It won't be easy. We'll have to work together. We'll likely lose our sanity, but that's okay. We're fueled by madness. Overview. At the start of the game, you will choose an episode box and an elder one and combine their components. The episode will provide the map layout, the ritual you are trying to disrupt, and how to disrupt it, as well as the abilities of the monsters in the game. The elder one will provide the big boss you will fight, with its own challenges, along with its special minions. Do not combine elements from other boxes. One to five players will control their own investigator, cooperating to win or lose the game together. In each game, the goal remains the same. Disrupt the ritual, and then kill the Elder One. Episodes. Each episode has its own episode card, mythos card, and discovery card, as well as special tokens. Looking at the episode card first, the top left is flavor text to be read at the start of the episode. The top right is how to disrupt the ritual and make the Elder One vulnerable to attack. The bottom are two special actions that investigators can take during the episode. Also included is what happens when the Elder One advances along its track. The track will be discussed in a later section. Note, some episode cards feature special rules. The back of each episode card shows how to set up the episode. This is discussed in detail later in the rulebook. Elder Ones. Each Elder One comes with its own flavor of cultists and monsters its own mythos cards to mess with you, and Elder One cards in different stages that will unfold as the game goes on. You cannot attack the Elder One until the ritual is disrupted, even if it's been summoned to the board. 
The storyboard. The storyboard, used in every game, is the hub of information. The summoning track shows the progression of the Elder One as it manifests into our world. The Elder One figure starts on the left part of the track and progresses to the right. When it enters a red space, it will be summoned. It will be summoned earlier if the ritual is disrupted. After the Elder One is summoned to our world, the progression token is placed on the track and moved instead of the figure. If the progression token reaches the end of the track, the Elder One dominates the world and the investigators lose. There are four squares on the storyboard. The top left square is where the Elder One's four stage cards go, stacked in order and face up. The bottom left square is where the Elder One's minions go, cultists, and special monsters. The top right card is where the episode card goes, and the bottom right square is where the monster card goes. Discovery Cards Each episode has 15 discovery cards. These include items, companions, and conditions that can help or hinder you. Most discovery cards can be claimed by fulfilling the requirements listed on the card's central section. Investigators claim either the left or right side of the card, tucking them under the investigator board on the appropriate side. Discovery cards will be further explained in a later section. If it is not specified when the investigator may use an effect from a discovery card, it may be used any time during their turn. However, it cannot be used while resolving another card effect or during rolling. Mythos Cards Mythos cards drive the horrors of each game. You will grow to hate them. Half the Mythos cards in the game come from the episode box, and the other half come from the Elder One box. Each turn, after taking their actions, the active player will draw a Mythos card. Some will move and or summon enemies. Others will drive you mad. There are also ones that aren't as kind. They are explained in detail in a further section. Most Mythos cards have an Elder One summoning symbol on them. When there are three summoning symbols in the Mythos discard pile, the Elder One advances along the summoning track. Enemies. The term enemies refers to cultists, monsters, and the Elder One, once it's summoned to the board. Any enemy that is not a cultist or the Elder One is a monster. Anything that refers to cultists affects cultists only. Anything that refers to monsters affects monsters only. Anything that refers to the Elder One affects the Elder One only. Enemy cards show their health, the dice they use when attacking, and a special ability that may come into effect in different circumstances. Investigators. Each investigator has a board with a wound track, a stress track, a sanity track, and three skills. All are tracked with plastic tentacled markers in your color. There are also slots on the right and the left board to insert claimed discovery cards. There is no limit to the number of cards that can be slotted to an investigator. Stress. Stress is used to try and push situations in your favor. You may always increase your stress to reroll one die you just rolled. Many discovery cards also have you take stress in order to claim them. Generally, the only consequence of being at maximum stress is you can't take more stress, though some effects may deal you wounds instead. Wounds. If the marker ever reaches the skull at the end of your wound track, you are dead. Go to the death of an investigator section. Skills. 
Your three skills allow you to bend the rules in your favor. The top one is your signature skill, unique to your investigator, while the other two skills come from a common pool, so other investigators may have the same ones. All skills start at the first level, but you will increase them when you level up. Some skills replace a lower level skill as you level up, while others add to them, as described on the skill. Sanity. Whenever you lose sanity, the marker on your sanity track advances to the right. If it reaches the skull at the end, you are consumed by madness and eliminated. Go to the ending the game section. The track has insanity thresholds, which are red spaces, that will activate your insanity and level up a skill. Some of them also give you permanent bonus dice. When an investigator loses more sanity from dice rolls, discovery, or mythos cards, then required to hit the next threshold, the marker stops at the threshold and all excess sanity loss is ignored. Gaining bonus dice. Four of the threshold spaces display a green bonus die under them. Once each of these is reached, the investigator adds plus one bonus die to all rolls they make for the rest of the game. Activating insanities. Each investigator gets an insanity card at the start of play. Every time their marker on their sanity track reaches a threshold, that insanity activates performing the symptoms on the card. If multiple investigators reach a threshold at the same time, they activate clockwise from the current player. Leveling up skills. When the marker reaches a threshold after activating their insanity, the investigator levels up one of their skills, choose one skill, and move its marker one space to the right. Tiles and spaces. Each tile is double-sided and labeled with a code to help with setup. Spaces are defined by walls and passages. Some tiles contain one space, while others contain two or three. See an example on page 9. On the board, you may only move through passages that have connecting arrows on both spaces. If there is only a passage on one side, or a passage leading off the board, and nothing on the other side, you cannot go through it. There is no limit to the number of figures that may occupy each space. Each map has three gates, red, yellow, and blue, where enemies are summoned. Some maps contain a staircase or a tunnel. You may move from a space with one of these tokens to a space with the matching token. Spaces linked like this are considered adjacent for all purposes. Safe spaces. A space is safe when there are no enemies in it. Setup. 1. Set out the storyboard, tokens, and dice. 2. Choose an Elder One. From its box, place the Elder One figure on the starting space of the summoning track. Place the Minions reference card on the storyboard. Set out the eight Mythos cards and any tokens. Place the Elder One stage cards in order face up on the storyboard. Stage 1 goes on top. 3. Choose an episode. From its box, take out its 8 Mythos cards, 15 Discovery cards, Episode card, and tokens. Place the Monster Reference card on the storyboard. 4. Take out all figures for the enemies shown on the reference card. Other monsters won't be used. 5. Set up the map board according to the instructions on the back of the episode card. 
including arranging the map tiles and setting enemy figures and tokens on the indicated spaces. Then, turn over the episode card and place it on the storyboard. 6. Shuffle the 16 Mythos cards together and place them face down. 7. Shuffle the episode Discovery deck and place it face down. 8. Have each player select an investigator board and its figure. Attach a colored base on the figure to help you remember which figure is yours. Place the figure on the starting space for the episode. In a single player game, choose two investigators. You will control both alternating turns with them. 9. Place the six tentacle markers of your color on your investigator board. Three on the first level of your investigator's skills, and the other three in the leftmost space of the wound, stress, and sanity track. Ten, shuffle the insanity cards and deal one to each player, putting away the rest. Players place their cards face up near their investigator boards. Eleven, randomly determine a starting player. That player takes the mythos deck and will take the first turn. Dice and checks. Some actions and discovery cards tell you to make a roll. When investigators make a roll, you always roll three standard black dice and may be allowed to add bonus green dice. Enemies roll a specific number and type of dice for their attack as indicated on their reference card. Each die has four different possible results. Exclamation point. Success. This means that you, or the enemy, succeeded at your attempt, or partially succeeded. If you were attacking, it means you hit. If an enemy is attacking, it means they hit you. In some cases, you need to reach a target amount of successes in a single roll. Perhaps you need at least two successes to loot a body. Star, Elder Sign. This means nothing unless you have a skill or card that uses them. Tentacles, Madness. For each tentacle, you lose one sanity, moving your track one space to the right. Important! Tentacles on every roll cost you sanity, whether you're attacking, being attacked, or just making a roll. Blank. No effect most of the time. Bonus dice. Certain skills and cards may give you bonus green dice, as noted on their description. Some checks may also give you bonus dice if you have a related ability. Finally, reaching certain insanity thresholds will add permanent bonus dice to all your rolls. There is no limit to the number of bonus dice that may be added to a roll. If you run out of dice, note the results and roll the same dice again. Note, the bonus dice do not contain a tentacle icon. Rerolls. After rolling dice, you may take one stress to reroll one die, ignoring its original result. You may do this as often as you like on any roll you make until your stress is at the maximum. When enemies attack you, you roll for them and may also take stress to reroll their dice. Applying results. Once you're done using any rerolls, tally the number of each result obtained. Note that some dice faces contain two results, making sure to apply any symbol changes from abilities, such as counting elder signs as successes. Then apply the results of the dice roll in this order. 1. 
Use any successes. If an investigator is attacking, these successes are wounds applied to their target. If an enemy is attacking, successes are also wounds applied to their target, usually an investigator. If you are told to make a roll by an action, you must match or exceed the number of successes indicated on the card to be successful. Example, this episode allows the investigator to make a special action, loot cultist's body. While you are on a space with a cultist body, make a roll. If the roll has two or more successes, you manage to loot the cultist's body. 2. Resolve effects. Resolve any effects that may be tied to the result of the roll. Examples, if wounded, if it survives an attack, when the enemy dies. 3. Apply any tentacles. Lose one sanity for each tentacle rolled. Move your marker one space to the right on your sanity track. If you reach a threshold space on your sanity track, stop moving the marker, even if you didn't lose the full amount of sanity. Activate your insanity and level up a skill. Turn sequence. 1. Take three actions. 2. Draw mythos cards. 3. Investigate or fight. 4. Resolve end of turn. 1. Take three actions. On your turn, you may take three actions. You may take the same action more than once. There are four actions that are available in every episode and two that are unique to each episode. Some actions can only be done while on a safe space. A safe space is a space without enemies. Run. Move up to three spaces. You can only move between spaces if there is a passage on both tiles, as indicated by arrows on both sides. You may also pass between two spaces that both have a staircase or tunnel token. When you leave a space with enemies, all enemies in that space follow you to your new space, even if there were other investigators in your space. When you leave a space with fire tokens, place one fire token from the reserve onto your investigator board for each token on the space, leaving those tokens untouched. We'll talk about fire in a later section. Example, Ian uses a run action to move up to three spaces. He first moves into a space with a cultist. He keeps moving and the cultist follows him to the new space. The second space has two fire tokens, but no enemies. Ian finishes his run by moving into a third space, which contains a fire vampire. Again, the cultist follows him. He is also leaving a space with two fire tokens. So he takes two fire tokens from the reserve and adds them to his investigator board. He is now in a space with a fire vampire and the cultist who followed him. He is also on fire. Pretty typical evening. Attack. Target a single enemy in your space and make a roll. Each success rolled causes one wound to your target. Place wound tokens next to the base of the figure you attacked. If this number equals or exceeds their health, you kill them. Remove their figure from the board. Keep in mind that even if the Elder One is on the board, it can only be attacked once the ritual is disrupted. Example, Ian uses an action to attack a cultist and a fire vampire. Normally, he would have to target either the cultist or the fire vampire, but his level 2 brawling skill enables him to target all enemies in his space, so he doesn't have to choose. He takes three standard dice. 
You always take three standard dice when making a roll. And one bonus die for his brawling skill. He rolls and gets a blank, a success, a success, and a tentacle, and an elder sign. Ian doesn't have a skill that utilizes the elder sign, so it has no success. Ian takes a stress to re-roll the blank and gets another success. He takes another stress to re-roll the elder sign and gets another elder sign. He decides to stop rolling. The cultist can take two wounds, and the fire vampire can take four. Ian has three successes to distribute as hits. He decides to use two to kill the cultist, removing the figure, and, using his brawling skill, applies the last success as a hit to the fire vampire. Note, if the investigator didn't have the brawling skill, he would have to deal all wounds to a single enemy, chosen before rolling dice, even if excess wounds would go ignored with no effect. Finally, Ian loses one sanity from the tentacle rolled, one step closer to madness. Rest, only on a safe space. If you are in a safe space, there are no enemies with you, you may heal your stress and or health up to three spaces in any combination. This is three spaces total, not three spaces for each track. You may perform the rest action more than once per turn. Important, sanity cannot be healed by resting. Example, Sister Beth is at full stress and has taken one wound. She spends an action to rest. She could choose to heal one wound and two stress, but decides to heal three stress instead, leaving her health where it is. Trade. You and all investigators in your space may trade any number of items or companions with each other, either giving or receiving. While some discovery cards have items or companions on both the left and right side of the card, a traded card must remain on the same side as it was originally. You may not trade conditions. Episode Actions Each episode has two unique actions as shown on the episode card. These work just like the standard actions and will help you disrupt the ritual or help you survive. 2. Draw Mythos Card Draw the top Mythos card from the deck and resolve it. Then place it on a face-up discard pile. Note, the recurring trauma Insanity has an investigator keep a previously drawn Mythos card in front of them. Mythos cards may have several different steps to them, divided into three types. You must do these steps in order from top to bottom before discarding the card. If you cannot do a step on the card, skip it and move on to the next. Elder One Summoning The Elder One Summoning symbol has no effect when the card is drawn, but may cause the Elder One to advance on its track at the end of the turn, which we'll talk about in a later section. If the card has the symbol, make sure it remains visible when it is discarded. Special Effects Mythos cards have all sorts of different special effects to make life hell. Unless otherwise stated, these effects only affect the player whose turn it is, ignoring all other investigators. Any choice that needs to be made is up to the active player, such as choosing which closest figure to move. When an effect moves an enemy towards a space, it should be moved by the shortest path to that space. Count how many spaces the enemy would move in all possible paths and choose the shortest one. In cases of a tie, the active player chooses. The enemy must always be moved as much as allowed toward its target, but stops when it reaches its target. 
Summon enemies. Finally, the bottom of some cards will indicate a gate color and the specific enemy that must be summoned there. If you have the corresponding figure available in reserve, place it on the indicated space. Otherwise, ignore this step. If there are multiple gates and enemies indicated, perform the summoning in order. Skip any remaining gates if you are out of figures. Example, this Mythos card has an Elder One summoning symbol at the top which has no effect when drawn, but will be checked during the end of turn. The first thing to do on this card is move each Byaki on the board to the space where the active player's investigator is. If there are no Byaki on the board, skip this step. Then, summon a Byaki on the space with the red gate. If all the Byaki figures are already on the board, skip this step. Example, Suicide Pack. Each investigator with two or more yellow sign tokens takes one wound. Blue gate, summon cultist. This card has a special effect and summons a cultist at the blue gate. Note that its special effect affects all investigators, not just the player whose turn it is. 3. Investigate or fight. This step varies depending on whether there are enemies in your space or not. If you are in a safe space, investigate your space. Draw the top card of the discovery deck and read the text in the center box aloud. Some cards will have a statement of something you must do if you have a condition or a certain companion. Most offer a choice of what you want to do. Some cards result in claiming a companion, item, or condition. Claiming means to slide the card under your investigator board, becoming part of your inventory, or, when it's a condition, changing your mental state. Example, Assistant Janitor. I got away, but he is going to kill us. We have to hide. If you have a guilty conscience, take one stress. You may take two stress to claim the Assistant Janitor, or take one stress to claim the Bleach. When you first draw a discovery card, read the central text aloud. This card has a bit of speech from the Assistant Janitor. Then it tells you to take one stress if you have the guilty conscience condition. Then you have a choice of either taking two stress to claim the Assistant Janitor, or one stress to claim the Bleach. Companions. Any wounds you take may be applied to companions you currently have instead. This still counts as you taking wounds for your card effects. Companions can never be healed. If their wounds equal the number on the card, the companion is discarded and any benefits they give you are immediately lost. Companions may also give you a level in a skill. If you don't have that skill, you gain level 1 in that skill while you still have this companion with you. Take the corresponding token. If you already have the skill, move the skill level marker one level forward. If you lose the companion, move the marker one level backward. Jerome, the assistant janitor, gives you one level in stealth while you have him. You can also take one wound, which would kill him. If you are not in a safe space, the enemies fight you. Do not draw a discovery card. Instead, each enemy in your space attacks you in the order you choose. They ignore other investigators until all enemies in your space that could have attacked you have done so. Important. If an effect makes you enter a space of an enemy or an enemy enter your space during this phase, that enemy attacks you even if it was not in your space at the beginning of this phase. Also, 
If an enemy that was in your space leaves your space, it doesn't attack you anymore. Defending against enemies. When an enemy attacks you, roll the number and type of dice shown on their reference card. Each success gives you one wound. Each tentacle costs you one sanity. Elder signs only have an effect if the enemy has the ability to use them. You may use stress to reroll these dice, and you may use any of your skills to help avoid or minimize the attack. Example, at the end of his turn, Ian has a fire vampire in his space, so he does not draw a discovery card. The fire vampire attacks. As noted on its card, first it adds a fire token to the space. The fire vampire card shows it rolls two standard dice and one bonus die when attacking. Ian's player rolls those dice, getting a blank, a success, and a success. Ian takes one stress to reroll one of the successes and attains an Elder Sign instead. He takes one wound for the remaining success. Ian's signature skill, Vengeance Obsession, lets him deal one wound to any enemy that wounds him. He adds one wound to the Fire Vampire. 4. Resolve End of Turn 1. End of Turn Effects Any effect that happens at the end of turn, except for Elder 1 Effects, happens now, in any order the active player chooses. 2. Fire You may be on fire. This will have happened if you left a space that contains fire tokens. It may be that a monster sets you on fire. At this point, it really doesn't matter, does it? At the end of your turn, roll one standard die for every fire token on your investigator board. You may use stress to reroll dice. Take one wound for each success and lose one sanity for each tentacle. Then discard all fire tokens on your investigator board. Note, enemies don't catch fire when leaving a space with fire tokens. Running out of fire. If you need to add a fire token to the board, but there are none left, ignore the effect. If you need to add a fire token to your investigator, but there are none left, use a wound token instead. 3. Check the Mythos discard pile. If there are three cards in the discard pile that have the Elder One summoning symbol, the Elder One advances toward ultimate power. If there are three Elder One summoning symbols, advance the Elder One along the summoning track. If the Elder One is already on the board, move the progression token along the track instead. The revealed Elder One stage cards and the episode card will tell you what to do when the Elder One advances. Resolve the Elder One effects first. It doesn't matter whether it's the Elder One figure or the progression token advancing on the summoning track. The effects are always resolved in the same way. After the Elder One advances, all of the discarded Mythos cards are shuffled back into the deck. 4. Check the Elder One summoning. The Elder One is summoned if the Elder One entered the first red space on the track or the ritual was disrupted this turn. When the Elder One is summoned to our world, move the Stage 1 card to the side, revealing the Stage 2 card underneath. Resolve its reveal effect, which will specify where the Elder One must be summoned. The Stage 1 effects remain in play until the end of the game. Place the progression token on the summoning track on the space previously occupied by the Elder One figure. Use this progression token to mark the Elder One's progress until the end of the game. Example, 
At the end of Sister Beth's turn, there are four cards in the discard pile, and three of them have Elder One summoning symbols. The Elder One advances, triggering the corresponding effects on the Elder One and the episode cards. Beth's player moves the Elder One on the track. It has reached the red space and is summoned into our world. Beth's player replaces the Elder One figure with the progression token and places the figure in her space. The progression token will move along the track from now on, and if the token reaches the end, the game will be lost. Since the Elder One is now in our world, Beth's player reveals the Stage 2 card and performs its reveal effects. Finally, she shuffles the four Mythos cards from the discard pile into the Mythos deck to reset the Mythos deck. 5. Elder One End of Turn Effects As the Elder One progresses through its stages, there may be end of turn effects visible on its stage cards. Resolve all effects on each stage card in the order of the stages. First one, then two, then three, and then final. Any effect that refers to you is referring solely to the investigator whose turn it is. The turn is now over, and the player to the left takes their turn. Continue taking turns like this until the investigators either win or lose. Death of an Investigator When an investigator is killed or consumed by madness, the game is immediately lost if the Elder One is still on the summoning track. If, however, the Elder One has already been summoned to the board, the other investigators may continue playing and try to win the game. First, discard all discovery cards and tokens that investigator had. The episode may specify something to do with any special tokens the investigator had been holding. If the investigator died during their turn, skip all the following turn phases, except for the check the mythos discard pile phase. If there are three Elder One summoning symbols, the Elder One advances and its effects are still applied. If it is needed to determine the position of the dead investigator, use the space where they died. From now on, that player's turn is skipped entirely. Disrupting the Ritual Each episode describes the tasks the investigators must accomplish in order to disrupt the cultist's ritual and make the Elder One mortal, even if only for a short time. The Elder One cannot be attacked or damaged until the ritual is disrupted, though it can attack you if it's on the board. If the investigators disrupt the ritual, the Elder One is summoned at the end of the turn. Fighting the Elder One once the Elder One is summoned to the board, it acts like any enemy, attacking investigators that end their turn in its space. The number and type of dice the Elder One rolls is the total of all dice displayed on all its revealed stage cards. Until the ritual is disrupted, the Elder One cannot be attacked or damaged, even if it's already been summoned to the board by reaching the red space on the summoning track. After the ritual is disrupted, the Elder One can be attacked and damaged like any other enemy. The Elder One has multiple stages, with individual healths, which must be defeated one at a time until it's ultimately destroyed. Starting with Stage 2, each card displays 1. A one-time effect that takes place when a card is revealed. 2. An ongoing effect that remains in play until the end of the game. 3. Health showing how many wounds that stage can take. 4. The number and type of dice that stage adds to the Elder One's attack. When a stage has wounds equal to or greater than its health, that stage is defeated. Move that stage card to the side to reveal the next, 
and resolve its when revealed effect. Any excess wounds do not carry over to the next stage. Remember that all of the previous stage's effects and dice remain in play until the end of the game. Example, an investigator attacks Hastur while he is in stage two. That stage already has nine wounds from earlier attacks. The attacking investigator does five wounds. This new total of 14 is enough to defeat the stage two health. The stage card is moved to the side next to stage one and revealing stage three. Even though the investigator only needed 12 wounds to defeat the stage and did 14, the extra two wounds do not carry over to stage three. Hastur is moved to the red gate and any investigator with at least two yellow signs takes one wound. Hastur now rolls three bonus dice and three standard dice when attacking. Ending the game. You all win the game when you kill the Elder One by defeating its final stage. If multiple endgame triggers happen at the same time, winning conditions have precedence. Example, the Elder One and the last investigator die at the same time. The players save the world and win the game. You all lose the game when one of the following happens. 1. An investigator is killed or consumed by madness before the Elder One is summoned to the board. 2. All investigators are killed or consumed by madness after the Elder One is summoned. 3. The progression token reaches the last, eighth, space of the summoning track. Page 19 has an index for easy lookup of any of these sections and also credits for the game. The back page of the rulebook is a rule summary. Turn sequence. One, investigators take three actions. Run, move up to three spaces, enemies follow you. Add one fire token to your investigator board per fire token in the space you leave. Attack, make a roll against one enemy in your space. Rest, save spaces only. Heal three stress or wounds. Trade with all investigators in your space. Episode actions described on the episode card. Two, draw a mythos card. Keep Elder One summoning symbols visible. Resolve special effects. Summon enemies in gate if available. Three, investigate or fight. If in a safe space, draw a discovery card. If there are enemies in your space, they all attack you. Roll dice shown on their card. Four, Resolve end of turn. One, end of turn effects. Two, fire. Roll one black die per fire token on you, then discard them. Three, check the mythos discard pile. If there are three summoning symbols, the Elder One advances. Apply Elder One and episode card effects, then reshuffle mythos deck. Four, check Elder One summoning. If a red space is reached or the ritual is disrupted, Move the stage one card to the side and resolve the stage two revealed effects, summoning the Elder One. Five, Elder One, end of turn effects. Resolve all revealed stages in order. Dice and checks. Make a roll. Roll three black dice plus any applicable bonus green dice. Rerolls. On any roll, the active investigator may take one stress to reroll one die as many times as they want and can. Exclamation point, success. Deals a wound when attacking. Star, elder sign. Requires an ability to have any effect. 
Tentacle, lose one sanity. Sanity. When marker reaches a red threshold, ignore any remaining sanity loss, activate your insanity, level up one of your skills. If there is a green bonus die symbol, you now add plus one green bonus die to all of your rolls. Fighting the Elder One. Once summoned, if the Elder One attacks, roll the dice on all revealed stages together. The Elder One can only be attacked after the ritual is disrupted. Once the current Elder One stages loses all its health, move that card to the side and resolve the revealed effects on the next stage. Ending the game. You all win if you defeat the final stage of the Elder One. You all lose if an investigator is eliminated before the Elder One is summoned. All investigators are eliminated. The progression token reaches the final summoning track space. And that is Cthulhu Death May Die. This is a really interesting game because there's a lot of modular ways the game can fit together when you combine episodes with certain Elder Ones. Some Elder Ones are more thematic to the situation that's going on. Some of them can just fit all in. The core box contains two Elder Ones, but there are plenty of expansions that contain more. There's, I think, at least five that I can think of off the top of my head that are included in some of the other boxes or the other expansions. And I know that there are more coming out, which I am exceedingly excited about. One thing I think the rulebook doesn't make very clear is the investigators take three actions and it has run, attack, rest, trade, or episode action. You can take any action any number of times. You could run three times, you could attack three times, you could rest three times. You can do any action in any combination that makes sense for you. I don't think it necessarily doesn't say that, but it doesn't actively say it either. So I just kind of wanted to make that one clear. Now, we've played this game for quite some time. It's kind of a favorite at the table because it is difficult. We die a lot, uh, and I prefer games where I have a challenge and I'm not always winning. I know some of my friends don't particularly like that, but I love being challenged. And honestly, sometimes losing is just a good laugh in itself. One thing we had always gotten wrong was when the Elder One was summoned. Now, you draw the Mythos card, you see three summoning symbols, and you're like, oh, I should move the track. No. Just no. Like I read many times, it doesn't happen until the resolve end of turn effects. It's really easy to just see those three symbols and say, oh, it should happen now. This can really screw you over, and maybe that's why we died so much, is because we were playing on hard mode. I mean, this game is still hard even without handicapping yourself. We didn't need to make it harder. Now, one thing it doesn't talk about is the common pool of investigator actions. And I kind of want to talk a little bit more about that because I am really into this. If you actually check makecraftgame.com, and I'll put a link in any description sections where you're finding this episode, I did a whole guide not a guide even, it's just like, yeah, it's like a layout guide for every single character where it's kind of like a book that shows which characters have which two combinations of common skills. So there are six common skills in total. There's Marksman, which allows you to attack creatures at a distance. There is Stealth, which allows you to sneak past creatures. There is Arcane Mastery, which allows you to utilize Elder Signs. There is Brawling, 
which gives you an advantage when attacking creatures in your space. There is swiftness, which allows you to run even better. And there is toughness, which is basically like a defensive type action, which allows you to re-roll when attacking or rolling for fire. And then later allows you to reduce wounds taken. All of these skills are really cool. In certain combinations, they can be epic. There are some combinations that are just like not, not even touched. I think it's very interesting that no characters have the combination of stealth and toughness. And only one character has the combination of brawling and marksman, which, again, I also find really interesting. At least everything else has about two characters that kind of can embody that, plus, of course, their own special ability. I will say with the base box, you only have 10 investigators, which is not that overwhelming. There's only 10 choices. You can make one of them and they have like a good range of things covered. At this point, with all of the extra investigators and everything to that, I think we've gotten up to at least 40 something characters. I don't know. There's a lot. It can be a bit much to say the least. That's why I made a booklet to help make it a little easier. So if you're saying, I want to play Stealth and Swiftness, you can look at those characters and then narrow it down from there rather than just go off of, I have 40 character cards in my hand. Let me pick one. I will say we also kind of learned over the course of many plays not to double up on the common abilities unless we have enough players to do so. So if we have three players, we try to find characters that can have all six common traits among the three characters, and then four characters on, we can kind of double up on some things and have, you know, two fighters or two marksmen or all of that. But trying to get all of those into the game is important for having that flexibility of having people be able to do different things. Having someone be able to run and sneak past everything and grab things, grab tokens or potentially work on the final goal while we have someone behind cleaning up and killing everything can be really important because more than likely not every character can do everything. You're not going to be good at exploring and fighting on all that jazz. And if you take too much fun fighting, the summoning track will get the better of you. It's faster than you think because it can move basically once per round with three players. If every single player draws a card with an elder symbol, summoning symbol on it, then it's getting moved, which means that the game overall is only eight rounds. If you have more players than that, there's a chance the game is less than eight rounds. So you can't really divide your attention so much. One other really important thing is don't be afraid of sanity. Like, I know it's scary. It's a track that leads to your death. Tracks that lead to your death can be scary. However, it also makes you better as you fall into madness. I honestly, when I see insanity rolls getting rolled against me early game, I'm happy because I can become even cooler the more insane I go. Now, as we get into like the later sections, I might be a little bit more hesitant about getting sanity and maybe take some stress to re-roll those dice. But in the early game, do not be afraid of sanity. It's going to help you in the long run, especially not only leveling up your common skills or your special skill, but it also can give you bonus dice. And the more dice you roll, the better you're going to do. 
especially with green dice. Now, it was briefly touched upon that green dice are different than black dice. And it was briefly touched upon that there were no tentacles on green dice. And that's true. The green dice are solely positive. They have blank spaces, which, you know, you got to have some duds. They have success symbols and they have elder signs. And that's it. So the more you roll up the green dice, the less sanity you're taking. You're really only taking sanity from those core black dice. And I think it's worth it to take a little bit of sanity. I'm also crazy, but hey, join me in my madness. As you can kind of probably hear, I'm very enthusiastic about this game. Honestly, it was a huge surprise. I first saw Death May Die and I was like, Kickstarter, minifigs, cool. I'm not normally a huge fan, especially because around this time we'd also backed another come on game that had a bunch of minifigs um, and on the Kickstarter, but it's Cthulhu and I can't turn away from any Arkham Horror based game. It's very difficult for me. I love the IP, especially when you take out all the racist stuff. <laughs> the general idea of an elder one or an eldritch abomination that's like beyond our comprehension is just such a great idea and such something I'm really weirdly passionate about. So when I saw this game, I I immediately was like, yeah, let's go. And I was genuinely really surprised by how well it played. There was definitely some points or some episodes where I'm like, I don't really feel like this was tested so much or I feel like their experience they had was very different than my experience because maybe they didn't combine this episode with this elder one and see how these two riff off each other way too much or are just completely disjointed. But I have yet to have a bad experience with it. There's some things where I'm like, okay, this could go a little better, but we've always had fun. We've always had playing fun you always have like your characters getting stronger while you're also simultaneously teetering on the edge of insanity or teetering on the edge of death. It works out well. One thing that was brutal when we first kind of realized it was fighting the Elder One and having those revealed stages increase the dice. At the end, while like we're rolling 12 dice because we've all leveled up and gained items and made ourselves as cool as possible, the Elder One's like, yeah, I can roll 12 dice too. You want me to one-shot you? I will. And it can be really intense. It can be really fun. It could be a lot of dodging of how does the stealth character say, hey, look at me, walk into a room and then sneak away, leaving everyone else away and then giving us an opportunity to deal with it on our own terms. Oh, there's just so much good interactions with this game. And it's very interesting because you do have to really work as a team because again as i said before you cannot do it alone which is also kind of reflected in the solo mode where they have you play two characters because one character is just not enough okay i think i have to bring myself back in because i could talk about this game all day and i don't well i do want to but i shouldn't so that is going to be my rant for cthulhu death may die Thank you very much for listening. If you like what you hear, please follow MCG on any platform where you find me or check out makecraftgame.com for more content. If there is a rulebook you would like to hear, please leave a comment under any of the Reading Rulebooks YouTube videos and I'll catch you next time. I hope you have a great day.